open with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me kind of catch some of you up as you're uh, joining in with us. We've been walking through uh, who we are as a church and what we want to be about, how to keep the main thing the main thing. We've looked at uh, eight hills to die on, some values that we have, some things that we will fight for uh, and we're excited about. We then began to talk about our strategy. How are we going to be faithful to God's mission in our church. Last week, we looked at strategy number one. We're gonna go through worship. Uh, and so we're thankful to be a part of that. Today, we're gonna move into our, our second strategy. Hey, just by way of, of, of just celebrating, uh, one of the things that we've been praying for as a team for a while, we've had positions and we've asked God to, to fill them. And so, man, we're so thankful for the many positions being, being filled, how God is bringing uh, some of our people. We've had a, a director of facilities opening and God has answered that prayer. Uh, David is here, matter of fact, he's on the the uh, front row, whoop, whoop. Uh, and so he is here. Uh, so he's our new uh, director of our facilities. Matter of fact, in just a little bit, you'll get to hear some of his story. He's getting baptized, and so we're excited about that. Yes, whoop, whoop. Uh, and so some of y'all are like, oh, he's working with Jacob. Boy, let the prayers begin. Yep. Uh, but we also have a new director of creative arts. Director of creative arts is uh, the position that does a lot of our, our media, social media, um, uh, Facebook, website, but then also creates video and content and things that we can use to share the gospel with people all over the world. Listen, I, I, we want to be in the marketplace. We want to be where people are. And right now, one of the ways that we feel like we can get into as many homes and sharing the good news of the gospel is using uh, social media and whatever avenue that we can. Matter of fact, some of you are watching on, online right now. We love you guys. Go ahead and share it. Matter of fact, if you got a phone, take your phone out right now. I wanna show you something. If you got a phone, social media, if you're on Facebook, go to Shirley Hills right now and I want you to share our sermon and I want you to watch what happens. Listen, social experiment right here. Right now, some of you, you're about to share it on social media, you're gonna share the message. And I promise you, before tomorrow, before I go to bed tomorrow, somebody will message me or email me and says, hey, someone in your church shared this message and I listened to it. And this is what God spoke to me about. It happens almost every single week. This week I had somebody from Montana. I don't know who we know in Montana, but I'm glad somebody reached out from Montana. We've also had people reach out from China, South America, Europe. Uh, people all over the world are tuning in. So we, this director of creative arts helps us use social media and video. Matter, how many of you saw the all in video? that we started off our sermon series with. Man, wasn't that awesome? We got fired up. There's another one coming, so you will be a part of that. We'll share more about that next Sunday. Uh, but uh, that, his name is Chris Bevel, uh, and so he made that video, and he's our new director of creative arts, and he will start on the 11th. And so we're pumped about that, his wife Amira, uh, and we're excited to have them join in with us and be a part of our team. And so the Lord is blessing, and we're thankful for that. Amen, church? Uh, and so you guys be looking for them, and uh, as God continues to bless and, and grow our team. Let's talk about strategy for a minute. Strategy is what makes a church a little different. Every church has the same mission, but what makes the church's flavor is how they choose to accomplish that mission. So for us, our strategy, number one, is that we would gather people together and worship the God of all creation. But we don't wanna stop there. We don't wanna just say, well, this is the end result. This is the beginning, actually. The end result is not, oh, well, I'm in church now. Some of you, you're watching online or, or you're here and, and 
for you, what your family member or your neighbor says, we just need to get you in church. Let's just get you in church. The end result for us is not to just get people in church. The answer in your life is to not just get in church. Uh, that's not the answer. That is strategy number one, to gather and worship. But there, we wanna take it to that next step. That next step for us is that we would then grow through D groups. We wanna grow through D groups. Now, I don't know how many of you run. I don't know what y'all think about running. Uh, I've always uh, preferred sprinting over long distance running. Long distance running, I get bored at like minute one, but I can go sprint and in 10 seconds, I'm finished, okay? And so like, I like that. So I've always been the sprinter. So I've been interested in like sprints and 40s, 60s, running around the track one time, let's race. And uh, some of you know that in some of the races, the team races particularly, you have to carry a baton. And as you're running, part of the, the race is there's a section that within that section, you have to hand the baton off. If you hand the baton off too late, you're disqualified. Too early, you're disqualified. If they fumble the baton, disqualified. And so it's really important in this race that you're in sync with the person you're running with and there's a smooth handoff. I believe as a pastor and as a leader of, of uh, shepherding the very best we can, God's sheep, that one of the areas, the church as a whole, it, that Satan is attacking is the handing off of the baton. We think if I just get saved, I'm good. And let me just say, eternally, if you give your life to Jesus, man, you are good in Christ. Amen? Like, I don't know if y'all heard, let's say that again. If you give your life to Christ and he saves your soul, like, you are good. Amen? But what Christ is beginning in you in your salvation is not meant to stop there. It's not like, oh, I'm saved now. Woo. Eat, drink, and be merry. No, no, no. He, you just received the baton. Now it's time to run the race. And part of running the race is that God has given you the gospel for you to hand the gospel off to other people. Let me say it this way. I believe this is the reason Satan attacks and works so hard to fight against the generations within the kingdom. Because if the church ever figured out how to help more mature believers pass on the baton to a younger group of believers who are full of passion and fire and zeal, but ignorant to all the things that are in God's word, the church would multiply at such a rate that we would become dangerous for the sake of the kingdom. So if Satan can attack the handoff of the baton, the giving off of the gospel and the helping new people run the race in, in Christ, if we can attack that, well, man, we can slow down the movement of the church or if we can event, convince the church to be satisfied in gathering and worship, but not receiving the word of God and passing it on to other people, then we can make them believe that they're actually running the race without a baton in their hand in the first place. God has saved all of us to run with a baton, to pass off the gospel to other people people. And so we want to make sure that we're not stopping at strategy one. We don't want to stop at gathering and worship. We want to be a part of a movement where we are moving people from gathering and worship into groups of people uh, that are growing in the word of God and helping reach and make disciples. So that's what we call D groups. So if you ever hear us mention D groups, D groups are our disciple making strategy. If we are going to make disciples at Shirley Hills, it will happen organically through the Spirit of God moving through D groups. Now, 
The amount of, of growth that can take place in your life if you stop, if you stop moving is limited. See, some of you, your thought is, you know what? I don't even need church. I don't even need to gather. Satan's got you like, oh, you, you just need the Bible. You, just, you can just stay at home. And how many of you, you've said this, don't lie, time in your life, like, I don't need the church. I don't need him. I, I can just grow by myself. And, and you can grow, but it will be limited. And then when you take that step and begin to gather as a people, you sing that first song together when it goes quiet and you hear the whole roar of people singing, man, something's stirring in you. It wakes you up a little bit. And so then, if you then, though, take the step from moving from gathering to now let's move into a group where I'm gonna love and invest in people and be invested in, there's another level of growth that can take place when you take that step. So D groups, they're our disciple-making strategy. We believe that the way, the way the nations will be reached is one disciple at a time. Teaching a disciple to make a disciple. Now, you say, well, what's a disciple? A disciple is, is a follower. You can be a disciple of Georgia football. You're a little upset disciple this morning. You ever won but not feel like you won? Yeah. And so uh, how you're a follower of it. You're learning it. You're being trained in the ways of Georgia football, which primarily over the last 40 years is not winning a national championship. But there's hope. Anyway, so you can be a follower of something and not be a follower of Jesus. What we're talking about, a disciple, is you've made yourself a learner of Jesus to learn who he is and how to follow him fully. So discipleship is the process by which a disciple, a Jesus follower, grows in the Lord and is equipped by the Spirit to follow him fruitfully. So this is the Spirit of God as we, you and I gather uh, then we get into a group where now we're learning as a Christ follower how together we can grow in the Lord and be equipped by the Spirit to follow him to bear fruit for the glory of God. We've all been called to bear fruit. So let me quickly give you four things that I believe we are gonna learn in 2 Timothy chapter two about how we want to be a church who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Uh, we wanna be strong in this. The first one is the right purpose the right purpose. Look what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice here, he says, I want you, son, to be strong in the grace that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. His purpose is that his son in the faith, Timothy, would be found in the, in the, in the grace of God. You see, for us, our purpose is not that we want something from you. Most of the time, people, when they begin to think, and I talk to people outside of like the church walls, and we're talking to people in our community, or, and even people from other places, their thought is, oh yeah, well, you want me to get into a group because you want me to serve in this place or this place or this place or this place. So if you are a D group leader, or you are someone who's saying you wanna make disciples, we need to make sure that the heart of discipleship is not to use people for our needs, but rather we see what is found in Christ for people. He's saying, Timothy, I want your strength to be found in God's grace. I want you to be strong as a man, not in your talent or what you can do for me, but what you, how, how his grace can dominate your life and your strength is found in that. 
And so our, our, for us, our purpose in, in making disciples who make disciples, disciples is that we know that in Christ that there's joy and fulfillment. Better is one day in his courts than a thousands elsewhere. We want you to know that joy. We want you to be able to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and not be blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Some of you right now, you get pumped in church. Then you leave and you see one Facebook comment and you're like, oh, junk, they're right. Church is fake. Jesus ain't real. And then every week, you're kind of blown to and fro. We want to help you stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. And, to, and when the winds come and the rains come, you, you are standing strong in Christ. I mean, we want you to be able to know the joy of sharing the story of Christ through your story and then watching somebody hear how Jesus has changed your life and say, I want that. I want that. I want Christ. We want you to know the joy of leading someone to Jesus. Listen, there's a lot of things that get me excited and bring joy, but I don't know that there's anything like seeing someone go from death to life and God using your story and your testimony of his grace to help point them to Jesus. You know, there's only one thing I really know that is as exciting as that. And you know what it is? It's not when you lead somebody to Jesus, and that's awesome, but when the person that you've led to Jesus, they then take their story and go tell their neighbor or their friend or their coworker or their family member what Jesus just did in their life, and then they lead somebody to Jesus Christ. I'm gonna go and tell you right now, that'll make me wanna do a front flip off this stage. There is something about seeing somebody that you've helped follow Christ, then God uses them to help somebody else follow Jesus. We know the joy of that. And we want you to be able to lead others to Christ, to lead your families in in following Jesus like you are, and to help other people grow in their walk with Christ like you are. So discipleship is about helping people move from observing the things of God to being a follower of the things of God. And it's okay, some of you are observing right now and we're pumped about it, amen church? I mean, do you know how many people in this room or watching online right now would tell you that there's a huge portion of their life where they were observers of the thing of God and then God moved in their life and they became a follower of the things of God? So today is not about beating you up because you're observing. What we're telling you is if you keep hanging out around here and you keep observing the things of God, eventually God is not only gonna get into your life, but then you're gonna begin to live out the things of God in your life. And that's what discipleship is. It's just life on life, helping people move from observing to following. And so for us, we have the right purpose. We for us, we're not here to build bigger buildings. We're not here to uh, just to say, hey, look how many people come to our church. And we're not here to say, well, look at our budget. We're better than other churches because we have more money. That The mark for many churches has always been how our buildings, how's our budget, and how, how's our attendance. But if we have all three of those things and we do not make disciples who make disciples, we are failing and not winning. So for us, Our heartbeat and what we wanna be about is not buildings, budgets, or even that attendance. Do we keep those? Sure, they're helpful, but they are not the win. For us, we have the right purpose, and the purpose is you. God has given us you, and if we have you, we wanna love you to Jesus. We wanna help you grow to follow him and to live out the mission of God. So, with the right purpose becomes the right posture. 
I want you to begin to see how Paul looks and talks about Timothy. There's some marks here that I think we can learn and really ask ourselves in these marks like, do I have the heart of a disciple maker? Is, is the gospel working in my life to produce some life change, a posture change before God that says, okay, Lord, here I am. Use me to help other people follow Jesus. The first one is, I want you to see that Paul, he has a heart for people. He has a heart for others. Look how he words this. You see, we cannot make disciples if we do not open up our heart to other people. Some of us, you've experienced real life hurt, pain. Like people come with problems. So for you, you think, mm, if I don't want problems, then I will cut myself off from people. I can still follow Jesus and do the things he wants without people. But God's called you to love people. And so for us, a heart for others is found when he says, hey, you therefore my son. He doesn't, he could have called him brother, friend, what is he, he says, my son. Now, is this Paul's son? Like, or is this his DNA son? Nope, it's not. This is not his actual child. It's his spiritual child. And he's saying, I love you so much. You are my son in the faith. You see, there's a family that we're born into, and then there's a family that we're saved into. I cannot tell you how many spiritual dads have stepped into my life and said, Jacob, you need a lot of help. I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, okay, let's go. Let's go this way. Go this way. Think about this. Challenged, pushed, questioned, called me out, and, and still do. We need that. And so he says, look, I love, I love you. Son, my son in the faith, I want the best thing for you. I want you to be found in God's grace. Do you have a spiritual son? Is there somebody that you're loving in a way that you've opened your heart up to and invited them into your life where you've just said, let's go? Matter of fact, you know, the Bible uh, in the New Testament specifically uses this one phrase a hundred times. It's the one another's. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, he tells us how we should be doing and treating one another. Because God's called us to have a heart and a love for people. The word is, is alalon, and it, it literally means that we should care, relate, and have a reciprocal relationship with others. And so he tells over a hundred times, think about it, verses like love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be like-minded toward one another, accept one another, admonish one another, consider others better than yourself. See, the gospel transforms us to think about how we relate to one another and to other people. And so part of having a, a heart for others is saying, Lord, we want to love others. That means there should be other people involved in our life. There's even some negative. By the way, all of these are commands. None of these are options. The language in every one of these is I am commanding you to look to the interest of one another. To I'm commanding you to bear with one another, teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, stir up or provoke or stimulate one another to love and good works. I'm commanding you, show hospitality to one another. There's also some negative commands. Do not, do not lie to one another. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. It, it gives us all these commands on how we should think about one another. And we do all of this because we've been saved as members of, of one another. 
See, a heart for others is loving one another and opening your life to people. It's not, we're not asking you to, to do more. We're asking you to actually keep doing what you're doing. Where you live, work, and play, keep living, working, and playing in those areas. Except invite other people to come do it with you. And you put on display the love that you have for Jesus. You love to fish? Go fishing with some more people. As long as they don't talk. I, you don't want me to go fishing with you. I either catch fish or swim. That's just how that is. Like, first one. Nope. Oh, let's swim. And so some of you like to play sports, invite people to play sports with you. And as you're doing that, you're teaching your kids. You're like, oh, man, I don't have time to make disciples. I'm a coach. Oh, really? What is it, being a coach? It is making disciples, reaching their parents and their families. You go hang out every single week in, in sports with, your, with parents. Well, guess what you should be doing when you're sitting up in the stands? Not screaming at the umpire. Let me just throw that out there. Just as you're welcome. But it is as you're doing that, building relationships with moms and dads and living out your faith. You like to do CrossFit? What is CrossFit? A community of people that kill themselves every day. And so as you're killing yourself every day, you need Jesus in the midst of that. So bring Christ into that community of people and you're teaching others how to follow Jesus, have a heart for others. Secondly, there's a passion to know Christ. This is a, a personal hunger to know and enjoy Jesus. What does he say, son? I want you to be found in the grace of God. I want you to be found in Jesus like I'm trying to be found in Jesus. This is a person who says, I, I want my identity in Christ. And so if you wanna be a disciple maker, it starts with you having this hunger and thirst for Jesus. It's also having a knowledge of the scriptures. Look what Paul says to Timothy. I want you to teach faithful men who will teach others also, but to teach them what? He says, teach them the things that you have heard from me in front of many witnesses. Notice once again, he's in a crowd of, of people and he says, you, you've heard me teach the word of God because the word of God is in me. I don't know that there's a single thing that keeps some of you from discipling other people in that you have a fear that you don't know enough about God's word. So I want you to give you a little trick. Here's a little trick about this. Some of you don't know enough about God's word because you're not making disciples. Because as you start to make a disciple, you're going, it's gonna pressure you and push you and challenge you to get into God's word. If you know you're about to go eat lunch with somebody that you're trying to help follow Jesus and they might ask you a question about evangelism, what are you doing before you show up? Googling, what does the Bible say about how to share Jesus with somebody? What was that app pastor said? Let's get that junk and learn it and you're showing up. Hey, here's what I just learned 11 minutes ago about discipleship and evangelism. Let's go. And that pushes you to grow more in God's word. Think about it. Who learns more, a student or the teacher who's preparing to teach? The reality is I have forgotten more that I've learned this week than I can ever pour out in one message. You think that this is about teaching and equipping you, but God is all over teaching and equipping me way more than I could ever pass on. So the reason so many people in the church today have a lack of Bible knowledge, it's not because there's less opportunities for you to gain more knowledge. It's you're not taking advantage of opportunities to put yourself in a position to where you have to have the knowledge of God's word to pass it on. You wanna know more about God's word? Start making disciples. And it will, it will challenge you to get in the word of God. It, there's a desire for community. I, I love 2 Thessalonians, how he words this. In, in chapter two, verse eight, he says, we cared so much for you we cared so much for you 
that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. I want you to notice what comes first. Before he gave them the gospel, he first loved them. He says, you had become so dear to me that not only did I give you the gospel, I also gave you my own life. You see, this is a person that says, I desire to to be around other people And in that, I wanna use that environment to create Christ followers. This is not only believers. Church, everybody listen to what I'm about to say. I think this is so important. Some of you here, your challenge to making disciples is the only people that you are friends with are people who are already trying to follow Jesus. See, sometimes we are so busy doing church things at a church building that we don't put ourselves in environments where we can develop friendships with people who don't know Jesus where you work, where you play sports, where you're out doing that, you're living on mission for God. And you're using that community to build relationships with people that you love because you love them. And through that relationship, you're trying to help them follow Jesus. You wanna know the best way to teach somebody how to share the gospel with somebody else? Invite them into your life where you are loving a friend and where you're gonna share the gospel with them. And let them watch you attempt to share the gospel. And then they begin to learn by catching it. So this is a a desire for community where I wanna be in the presence of of many witnesses. I, I think about this all the time with my children. I want my kids to grow up seeing their dad not only stand in front of a group of people every week and proclaim that Jesus saves, but during the week, I want them to see dad hanging around the people, trying to help them tell other people about Jesus Christ to grow in Christ. I want them to see a genuine love around people that they can follow Christ. And so these people don't just hope for community, they're intentional in making community happen. And so we wanna to know a, a passion for Christ, knowledge of the scriptures, a desire for community, but also a heart for the lost. As a Christ follower, we are committed to committing the gospel to other people. See, here's the truth. Guys, there is no possible way that I can tell every lost person in middle Georgia about Jesus. I can't. But you know what I can do? I can teach you or teach a person how to share their story in the gospel with somebody, and then you're doing it, and then I'm doing it, and then as we reach somebody, we can then teach them how to do it. So then we keep doing it, you keep doing it, then they keep doing it, and we keep doing this. And we keep multiplying our efforts. You see, the only way we will ever truly reach the nations is if we make disciples Christ followers who then are learning how to share the gospel with other people. This comes out of a heart for lost. You see, when I say we wanna be a multi-generational church, what comes to your mind? You think, okay, a multi-generational church is a church that has, I'm just gonna say it, we ain't about being political. There's old people, less old people, Middle-aged people, that age is like, we don't know if we're middle-aged or young yet. College, there's professionals, singles, there's high school students, middle school students, and there's these generations age-wise in the church. Let me just say, I think as a church family, not only ours, but in light of our nation, we have missed the true meaning and value of being a multi-generational church. Being a multi-generational church is not based off ages. We've missed it. It, Being a multi-generational church is having mature Christ followers 
who are pouring into less mature Christ followers, who are pouring into new Christ followers, who are trying to reach non-Christ followers, who are then still going after like really non-Christ followers. It's being a multi-generational church is teaching faithful men who will teach all others also. It's teaching one generation of believers to how to reach non-believers and that we would be a multi-generational church in light of discipleship. So let me ask you, are you a mature Christ follower? Who are you helping follow Christ better? And are you doing it in a way that you're helping them teach somebody else how to follow Christ? Oh, we wanna be multi-generational. This means we have to be fixed on his mission. This is winning. Have you ever heard what it means to win? I don't know if you've heard what it means to win. Win is what is important now. What is important now? See, some of you in other churches are not winning because we're doing some really good things, but not the most important things. Notice here he tells us in verse three, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Meaning, if Christ is our commanding officer, then we want to please him and do what he wants. I, many of you are, are new to Shirley Hills and we love it. When I first got to Shirley Hills, I think it was the first or second sermon I ever preached. And I bring up this illustration a couple of times every year because it's really important to me. I bring up the illustration of, of making apple pies. By the way, is it, making apple pies is a good thing, right? Well, it's fall time right now. Making apple pies is a good thing. But imagine you spend your whole life making apple pies for Jesus. Jesus, I'm gonna make you apple pies. I'm gonna make you apple pies. I'm gonna make you apple pies. And you get to heaven only to find out that Jesus didn't like apples. Like, what? I spent my whole life baking you apple pies. You're like, yeah, boy, I'm from the South. I like peaches. <laughs> Just kidding. Joke, people, relax. Not being heretical. But I'll tell you this, I do believe there's a lot of people who are spending their whole life doing some good things that are not Jesus' most important things. What if we spend our whole life doing all of this work for Jesus only to find out what he really wanted us to do was just invest into people and to help them follow Jesus better that they could help other people follow Jesus better. So I think the question we should ask ourselves as a church family is, are we winning? Are we focused and fixed on what is important right now? See, churches all over the place are struggling. Many are dying and their doors are closing. Not because Jesus doesn't have power, not because he doesn't have the, like we sang in the first song, where he's not healing families and raising the dead, not because there's no miracles in the room when the Father's in the room. It's because oftentimes we find ourselves fixed on good things while not making the most important thing the most important thing. I have a little boy, and my little boy loves animals. I love animals, so I love it. And so we are always talking animal stuff. Daddy, if a lion and a bear got in a fight, who'd win? I'm like, I don't know, just no bulldogs win. So, uh, and, and we talk animals all the time. And uh, he was watching an animal show and he said, Dad, I don't understand. Why would a beaver chew a tree down? I'm like, son, to be honest with you, I have, that's the craziest thing to me. Think about it. God made an animal with teeth so strong, it literally chews a, a tree down. Then, 
grabs the tree and drags it into the water. So I started thinking, I, and here I am, I, I can't help it. I'm a Googling beavers at this point. I'm like, okay, beaver facts. And there's some really weird beaver facts out there just to prepare you for that. Uh, and so, but I'm watching this thing and I'm like, wow, I, I'm getting into a beaver's life. And think about this, here's what a beaver does. A beaver doesn't go and build a home in a pond that has fish. A beaver takes a stream of water that's moving, chews a tree down and builds a dam and blocks that water up. It's what you and I would call a fishing hole. And it creates its own fishing hole because then the fish that are traveling through can no longer travel through. They just get stopped up at that fishing hole because they've got a dam. And then the beaver's not finished. You know what the beaver does then? The beaver chews some more trees down. It makes a, a home in the water hole that it just made. And listen how amazing this is. It makes a hole in the bottom of their home where it can dive out, go hunting, catch in some fish and pull right back up in and just like lay out in their house. Some of you are jealous. You're envious right now of a beaver's life. Like, I wish I could build a home at my fishing hole. You know what I'm saying? Like I just roll out a bit, you know, and then go like chill. You see, some of us, you don't realize in your life right now that you're not like the beaver. You're actually like the fish. You see, Jesus told the woman at the well that you will drink from a source, a living water, where you will never thirst again. But see, what's happened in your life is you, you're being hunted and you don't know it. You see, a beaver does not eat trees. It uses trees to eat fish. And you're the fish and there are predators out there, he says, that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And what's happened in your life, at some point, you are all fired up for God. Boy, you're like, woo, let's go. You're in church, you're in the word, and you're loving it. And something happened in your life where you lost focus. You stopped being fixed on the mission and that flowing water began to get stopped up. It got stopped up by this and by this and by this. And now you're one of the fish that's being stopped up and, and you're being hunted. You see, some of you are here today, you haven't been in the church for a while and you're like, well, what happened? See, you got stuck at step one. You allowed spiritual progress to stop because you felt like church attendance was the end result. But church, being a part of a worship gathering is the beginning for us and we wanna help you flow or move from strategy one into strategy two, where you're not being hunted and, and picked off and falling away, where you're now moving into being used by God, following Christ and helping other people. This is the church being fixed on the mission. So how do we do this? Well, it surely is we need a flexible plan. We, this D-group process at Shirley Hills is created and based off flexibility. How one person helps other people follow Jesus might be different than others. For some of you, you love Sunday mornings. That's what you need. You, you work, you're busy, you travel. And so for you, you can come before our worship service and use one of our rooms on campus and you need that so that you can do it. Hey, we got a room for you. That, that's great. Others, you do it in your home. Because you can bring people into your life, y'all can hang out, and as you're doing that, you can make disciples that way. We want flexibility. And so let me share with you quickly some pillars that are foundational for how we're gonna make disciples in a flexible way. And first of all, we're gonna create community. This is life on life. If you meet in a room on our campus or in somebody's house, the important part of that is you don't just show up, have class, and go home. By the way, Nobody wants any more class. What we want are people. I wanna be loved 
and I want to love on somebody. So we want to create community. This is where you can live life on life. This is the one another's in the Bible. This is where you can, you can move and be a part of one another's life. This is where you can intentionally, consistently seek God through intimacy in his word, prayer and uh, repentance, restoration. And this is where you can work on life transformation and bearing fruit and inviting other peoples to join with you. Often, we have found it sometimes easier to invite people into your life in a D group. Sometimes they just come into church. Here's what I do know. People who join your D group and begin to grow in the word will always be pushed to the people of God to worship and gather together. But a lot of people come and worship and gather together but never move to the next process of being in life-on-life community with other people. And so we, we, we're, our aim is to not have a classroom setting but the classroom setting of discipleship is life. That's the classroom where we live, work, and play. We're making disciples as we go. So uh, that's, we want this flexible way of, of making community. Secondly, is we, everything we do is gonna be centered around the word of God. We're not here to indoctrinate you on the way we believe about things. We are all here to be filled by the spirit of God to learn the word of God. We wanna ask questions about God's word, about the Bible. There's a lot of questions in the Bible that I have still. And I like to talk them out with people. There's times where you're listening to a sermon, you're like, hmm, what's that mean? How does that apply to my life? Well, if you don't have anybody to talk it out with, it stops there. And we want you to continue to grow and have movement in your life. So we want there to be the word of God where you can be, uh, it's application and held accountable to the word. Thirdly, we want you to serve together. Now, serving can be sometimes within the church. So uh, your D group might serve in here, here, or here, and that's awesome. We want you to serve. But it also might mean that your group is, in, is led by the Lord and you're passionate about serving in other ways out in the community. And we want you to do that. This might mean you have a, a heart to fight sex trafficking. And so y'all just go for it. Your group begins to serve in ways in our community to fight sex trafficking right here in middle Georgia. Or, or others, you might have a, a heart for our halo ministry where you love those who are uh, gifted, blessed people that float out of our church and your D group serves through halo. You go for it, you serve and you go out. Others, you might have some men that drive by the medians in Warner Robins and figure out why in the world do we have knee high grass in every median in middle Georgia? Maybe there's some of you others who are ticking like me every time you drive by it. And so your heart might be, you know what, hey, Things are tough right now, so you know what? We're gonna serve our city. We got some weed eaters, and we have some people that hunt, and we'll throw on their orange vest, and we will go weed eat the medians and clean up trash in our community to serve and to be a blessing for the sake of the gospel, to make his name known. We want you as a group to serve how the Spirit leads. That does not mean the church as a whole is doing the thing that your group is passionate about. That just means you're living out, hey, you know what that is? That's being Christian. That's being Christian, and we want you to go do it. You don't need our permission to serve how the Lord is telling you to do it. Go do it. Now, if it becomes your heart, so you feel like the whole church has to do what your heart is, well, you know, you might miss the boat there, and we might say, eh, yeah, well, we don't feel like that's what everyone needs to do, but y'all keep doing it. How can we help you do that thing? And then lastly, every D group, we want you to care for each other. This is love in action. This is where you're with a group of people where you say, I love you and, and we're gonna be loved on. Somebody has something tough going on in their life, that group steps up to the plate and says, we got you. We'll walk with you. We'll jump in the messiness of life with you. So let me close with this because discipleship is hard, it is messy, and it's not perfect. 
Some of you, you've thought about something like this. You're like, you know, that sounds awesome. That sounds good. But you know what? I've been involved. I was a, a part of a class or a group and I didn't like them. So I'm done with that. Like I'm, I'm finished, like psh, I'm out. Even as I'm preaching this message right now, you're like, Lord, I'm out. Don't talk to me on this. Like that group was weird. Well, guess what? We have other groups. Find other groups. You said, well, I don't want to be in any other groups. Well, maybe the reason you don't want to be in any other groups is because God created you to actually help organize and lead a group like you like it. Step up to the plate and, and you do that thing because God has called all of us to, to run with the baton and to pass the baton on. So if you're that person where you can't find a group because you know you meticulously like critique something, maybe what that really is, is God is showing you that he's made you to be a person to actually help organize one and to create one and make one a certain way. So leaders, here's what I wanna tell you about those who are helping lead discipleship groups. It's not as much about how, but that. Everyone but well, how do we do this? How do we do this? That's not the right question. The important thing is that you do it. Do it. Well, how do I do it? Just do it. You'll figure it out. You talk to Pastor Jason, who's leading our, this ministry, and, and say, hey, what do I do? And hey, here's some ideas. Now you be you. You lead it and organize it in the way that God made you to be. And you live out your, your life. And maybe every Saturday during college football, you wanna have some people over. Hey, listen, nothing will test your faith like Georgia football right now, I promise you. It'll be a refiner's fire. And so let's go. Or maybe you want to, you play golf. Go play golf with some guys. They're stuck with you for like 18 hours while you play. Talk to them about Jesus while they're there. You like to barbecue and cook? Get some guys around the grill. Hang out, let's talk. And live life in that way. And you go, now, we have already began our regather. So we're here now, praise the Lord. COVID happened and now we're regathering in phase one. Step one for us is to, to love God and worship. And we're gathering, amen? I thank the Lord. Come on, like I love it. No more, we're here, and we're not going anywhere, we're doing it. But we also understand that to group people is, is sometimes a little more difficult. Some of you are like, yeah, well look, with COVID, I'm, I don't know about that. We understand it. So we have groups that are meeting right now, and it's a little bit different. So our plan in that is we're gonna do the very best we can during this kind of transitional time. And we have groups going. Some of you are like, I wanna get involved with one. Some of you wanna start one. We'll help you. But our ultimate aim is, is come January 2021, just like we've done a re-gather, we wanna do a 2021 January regroup. We wanna do a huge launch in January where we launch as many groups as we can, get things kind of back going. And so we have between now and then to begin to equip and prepare and have conversations, have some meetings with some leaders and figure out the best way that we can do it. As our team, as a staff fills up, there's some new things we're gonna try to unfold and bring out by January, 2021. Just takes a little time to do that. So we're gonna be knocking that out. At the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves this. Am I going to spend my life investing in the lives of other people to help them follow Jesus as I follow Jesus? Or do we join the crowd of religious Americans that sit and watch? Church, I can tell you this. In my one life, I don't just wanna talk about the gospel. I wanna put it to action. I wanna open the doors to the power and the word and the spirit of God. I wanna let him loose amongst middle Georgia for the sake of his name and his glory. And we wanna watch as he changes lives after lives after lives. And here in just a moment, 
we're about to see seven people whose lives have been changed by the gospel. And church, hear me, we're about to straight celebrate that Jesus has changed lives and he's not done changing lives and he's gonna keep changing our lives for the sake of the gospel. And we will keep doing this and we will keep loving and we will keep growing and we will keep living sent until Jesus calls us home or the world is filled with every single person knowing the name of Jesus Christ. Shirley Hills, we're sent. Here's what we're about to do. I'm about to pray, and we have an opportunity where we can respond to the gospel. Maybe you just wanna come and pray. Uh, Our praise team, go ahead and come. You you just wanna pray for somebody. Maybe God right now has laid on your heart somebody for you to reach out, to begin to talk to, and to begin to say, hey, I'm trying to grow in Jesus. Will you, you wanna grow with me? So I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna have time of response. But here's specifically how I'm gonna pray, okay? There are some people right now that for you to be a disciple maker, you have to first be a disciple. And so the first step for you is right now for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. All over the room, we have people moving, getting ready to go be baptized. So here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna sing together and we're gonna have a time of response. Pastors will be down front and man, you guys come and pray or get counseling or whatever and we're gonna sing, but then we're gonna keep singing and we're gonna keep worshiping the Lord and we're gonna end our time of worship today and watching people publicly declare that Jesus has changed their life. So will you bow and pray with me? Right now with heads bowed and um, people preparing their hearts to respond, our people, if you're about to get baptized, go ahead and and, and get into place, go in the back and, and get ready as we celebrate with you. But right now we realize that there are some who maybe what God is speaking to your heart on is, hey, listen, I, I want to use you to make a difference in other people, but you can't, share with others what hasn't happened in your life first. You see, it starts with your story. And right now, man, I wanna work in your life. If that's you and you're watching online or you're here in person, you wanna give your life to Jesus, right where you're at, just tell him, Lord, I I wanna be a disciple. I wanna be a Christ follower. I wanna follow you. So Jesus, right now, I realize that what separates me from you is my sin. Lord, and I'm, I believe you love me so much that you left heaven and came for me. God, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And so Lord, right now, like Timothy, I wanna be strong in your grace, not in my ability to be good enough or to fix myself or to save myself. Jesus, right now, I wanna receive the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you come into my life? Lord, forgive me of my sins, and right now, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you, Lord. And from this point forward, God, would you teach me what it means to follow you and live out a life for you? But God, then would you also, right now, would you lay some people in my mind that I can go tell them how you changed my life today? And you can begin to let me walk with others to learn how to follow you and to help others follow you too. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a saving God that you have saved us and you're still saving others. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.